Welcome back to the CSP Elite Baseball Development Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Cressy, and this is episode 177. Really great guest today, a guy who's actually trained with us since his early high school years, um, has made it all the way to the big league so he can speak to the high school, college, and major league dynamic. Also, a guy who's got a really awesome background in multi-sport participation and learning to compete across a variety of disciplines. So I think he has a ton of lessons to share. Really articulate guy who had some early success in his career, and it's going to be an exciting one to follow in the years ahead. So I think we're in for a great show. This episode is brought to you by Hawken Dynamics, which is based in the U.S. with offices in Australia and the U.K. They believe that technology is most useful when it stays out of your way. That's why in 2016, Hawken engineered the first wireless force plate solution with a mobile app, making it the quickest, easiest to use, and most robust solution on the market for group testing. Today, it is still the only fully validated wireless force plate solution that exists, something that's extremely important when evaluating marginal gains on the world's best athletes, monitoring readiness or returning athletes back from an upper or lower extremity injury. It's trusted by all sports organizations, large and small, as well as tactical, military, and rehabilitation environments around the globe. It's force plate testing in the palm of your hand with research-grade accuracy. We use Hawken Dynamics force plates at Cressy Sports Performance, and they're a crucial part of our evaluation process, not to mention a vital resource for monitoring fatigue and evaluating the efficacy of our performance and rehabilitation programs. Whether it's finding the sweet spot on the force velocity curve or keeping a close eye on asymmetries, these force plates are used all day, every day at CSP. Their customer service is also top-notch, and they're wildly responsive to inquiries from both existing customers and prospects. Be sure to check them out at www.hawkindynamics.com backslash Cressy to learn more. You can also give a listen to their VP of Performance, Drake Berberet, on episode 174 of the Elite Baseball Development Podcast. Again, that's hawkindynamics.com backslash Cressy, H-A-W-K-I-N. D-Y-N-A-M-I-C-S dot com backslash Cressy, C-R-E-S-S-E-Y. Give it a shot. You won't regret it. Today's guest is an infielder who was born and raised in Delaware and won Gatorade Player of the Year honors in Delaware his senior year of high school. He finished his high school career as the state of Delaware's all-time leader in runs scored and stolen bases. He was also a three-time All-State soccer player, leading the state in goals over his four-year high school career. He was drafted in the 38th round of the 2018 MLB draft by the Cleveland Indians, but opted instead to attend the University of Virginia. At UVA, he transitioned from shortstop to third base and started all 137 games over the following three years, finishing with a 316 career average. He led the ACC in hits as a junior and was named to the all-tournament team in 2021 when UVA played in the 2021 College World Series. The Oakland A's drafted him in the second round of the 2021 MLB draft, and at the end of 2022, he played in the Arizona Fall League. In the spring of 2023, he played for Team Israel in the World Baseball Classic. After a strong start to the season in AAA, he was called to the big league by the A's on July 14, 2023. In his first 69 Major League Baseball games, he batted 267 with 40 runs, 20 doubles, 14 home runs, 32 RBIs, and 14 stolen bases. He was also named the American League Rookie of the Month for August 2023. Please welcome to the show, Zach Geloff. What's up, Zach? Thanks for joining. Uh, happy to be here. This is a good one, man. We've had a lot of good conversations about development, both for you and your brother, and talk to your dad about it as well, and kind of seen your progress over the years. So I think it'll be good to share this with a larger audience. Um, let's talk about Zach Geloff, the high school athlete. Um, I know you've spoken a lot about your multi-sport kind of participation being something that was important as a key part of your longer-term development, but maybe take it from the top for, for folks who haven't heard the story before. 
I think just growing up, I played Jake and I played um, pretty much every sport we could. Um, baseball, obviously, soccer, basketball, football, even a year of lacrosse. So we did it all. And then in high school, I think, um, you know, um, I played baseball and soccer and then also kicked for the football team my freshman year. So, um, you know, definitely played multi-sports. I love basketball. I think the toughest thing for me was giving that up so I could train and really focus on, you know, playing multi-sports, but also um, focusing in the weight room too when I had some downtime. So, um, you know, I think it was huge for me just being playing multiple sports, being really competitive and, you know, having fun being, um, you know, trying to be a really good teammate and help out um, other guys. I think you're being really humble too. Like you were a pretty good soccer player. There was, there was a fair amount of division one interest at the time, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, I don't know how far I would have gotten. I feel like I probably could have gone to a smaller D one played pretty good, but mm -hmm. I, I know I led the state in goals my senior year. Um, we got to the state semifinals. Um, so I was, I was a pretty, pretty dominant soccer player, probably more dominant in high school and baseball. It's pretty hard to dominate in baseball when you're, you know, you're still getting out six yeah. out of 10 times in high school. So you're one out of um, nine guys versus like in soccer, you can really take over a game. Um, exactly. So I know, you know, I've, I've spoken a lot about multi-sport participation and the benefits of it. You know, we talk about getting exposed to a lot of different movement patterns. We talk about rolling with different social circles. We talk about, you know, something you just mentioned, like the competition aspect. Of, is there one of those things that you think that was the most important for what it, it meant for you in your long-term development? Yeah, I think they're all really important. But the one that sticks out to me is just the, the competition aspect and playing a sport where maybe you're necessarily not the best at, but, and you're at a disadvantage to a guy that's maybe that's his first sport, but you still have to go out there and compete and maybe be, um, you know, along with those lines, also being a really good teammate of, you know, playing a role or whatever it is. So I think for me, it was just the competition aspect of, you know, playing, you know, different positions or being maybe the role guy or, you know, if you're playing basketball, you just might be the guy that stays in the corner and shoots the threes and plays good defense. But, you know, in soccer, it was early on, it was in, in high school, it was me playing really good defense, winning air balls. Um, and then as I moved moved on throughout my career, I kind of had to score more to for us to, you know, be successful. So I think just the competition aspect of playing different roles really helped. I don't think people realize that when you go to like the big leagues or even when you go to a division one program, like everybody on that team is the best player in the history of their town. Like when you go to UVA, like every one of them was all state, every one of them was an all American. Um, and that can quickly punch in the face. So I like the, the idea of like understanding how to be a role player, how to fit in, you know, even when you might be one of the better athletes there. Um, maybe in that same vein, you know, you attended UVA. Um, what, what were the things that you think took you from, you know, you were a high school draft pick, um, and then obviously, you know, after your junior year, you were a draft pick as well, but what made you a guy who was much more big league ready when you left UVA three years after that high school draft where you, you maybe weren't ready as an 18 year old? Man, um, I think just valuing your time and using your time wisely in college was huge because, you know, you wake up, especially freshman year, it was an 8am class. You had to basically, I was lucky enough to have a moped, but I have to grab lunch sometimes with a teammate on the back of it. And I had to, balance the, school, the box of lunch, get to practice, barely get to eat it, get out there and still try to get the extra work in to be ready to go and not just be ready for the first, the first stretch. Um, so I think just balancing time was huge. And then for me, uh, going on those high school visits to UVA multiple times and sitting behind the turtle, like I'm a vis visual learner. And, and when I set goals, I really want to 
and when I see like, this is what I want to do in a few years, I kind of just, um, I try not to see the, I mean, I see the big picture too sometimes, but I look at it and I'm like, this is what they're doing. These are the guys who are successful here. This is what they do day to day, how they look. Um, and I think for me, it was just like, all right, once I got there and I saw what these other guys with the successful first rounders were doing and kind of just carried myself that way up until college. And ultimately, you know, going into it freshman year, knowing that, Hey, I wanted to win this third base spot and, um, it wasn't an option to lose it. And I think that, you know, it goes back to the competition aspect that I think, you know, you, you, it's a progression of trying to start freshman year and then you want to be even better because there's levels to the college game. Um, just like in baseball and the major league level too. But, um, you know, just starting off, I think it just goes back to the competition aspect and, and really just setting goals. That's awesome. Um, I know your dad talked about like how valuable it was for, for your crew to go to Omaha and like actually see it when you guys were in high school. And I'm sure there was an element of like visualizing you wanting to play there, you know, in the, in the years that followed, do you think that's one advantage that, that college players have over high school draft picks? Like, let's be real. Nobody's playing in front of, you know, UVA, I want to say it's, you know, six or 7,000 people in the stadium. Like they sell it out pretty regularly. Um, like it's a, it's a big time in college baseball town. You don't always get that in like the podunk minor league field in the middle of nowhere. Like, do you think that that was really, really important for you from a developmental standpoint is to like play in front of big crowds, experience that kind of, you know, environment? Yeah, it was huge. I think uh, UVA is getting a lot more fans nowadays than we did back in the day. <laughs> Not back in the day. It was only a few yeah. years ago. But uh, <laughs> I think for me, along with playing in with the big crowds in college, I think you just learn how to win because it's all about winning in college. And then, you know, if you're fortunate enough to get drafted pretty high as a high schooler, uh, it's more development, development, development. And then you get to the big leagues and it's kind of like, hey, um, you have to learn how to win and be dominant and be competitive. And I think in college, you kind of learn that first along with mm-hmm. winning and being a good teammate and, you know, feeling like crap on a, on a Sunday with all your guys showing up to practice. Like, um, I think that's real. And um, I think some of those lessons going through the ups and downs kind of behind the scenes where, you know, the pro guys can't really yeah. um, uh, see that as much, but um, I think just being, you know, around, around the teammates and um, going through that experience was huge. That's awesome. Then you were like most of the really good athletes we see, like you were a, sh- a shortstop in high school and then, you know, the herd kind of thins at that position guys who else were, you went to third base when you got to UVA stayed there when you got to pro ball and then, you know, shifted to to second base over the last couple of years. Um, and that was what you played exclusively in the big leagues this year. You know, I'm, I'm curious, how did those adjustments go? Um, you know, maybe how are those positions different in your mind and, and what maybe position recommendations would you make to players who want the versatility to have all of them or are in the midst of a transition? There were a lot of questions. That was, that was a lot of questions there. Sorry. I'm just going to start with, uh, yeah. yeah, obviously, you know, I think the best athletes, if you're a righty, usually just play shortstop. And I think even some of the outfielders that, you know, go to play D1, a lot of them play shortstop for their high school team. So that was what I did. Um, and then, you know, you go to college and actually I played summer ball going into college. So I knew um, that, you know, they wanted me to play third base exclusively mm-hmm. just because I knew that there was an upperclassman that was starting short. And I knew that with my body type, I think I kind of profiled better as a third baseman long term. Um, and then I just worked worked at it. Um, and that's something I wanted to do. And I think if you're a shortstop, I think that's the most athletic position that you can move thir- to third, second, first, anywhere in the outfield. Um, so that was really important. I think for for me, playing the difference between short and third was third is more 
one step to your left, one step to your right, in or back. And then short, it's kind of positioning it and kind of doing a curve, almost like a banana, to get your feet going towards first, which is a little bit different and kind of like setting up the throw. Um, so third base was a, a big transition, I think, for me. But then I think it worked out pretty good, you know, playing every day in college at third base. And then um, into pro ball, I kind of did 50-50 third and second. And I kind of, you know, as we, as I got to train with you guys it, every day exclusively in an offseason, I think I got more athletic. Um, and I was able to kind of say, Hey, like, I think I can play second base too, if that helps. And with my, you know, profile, I think that could work out too. And I went over there, did, did a little bit and they said, wow, it looks really good. So, um, and then I obviously transitioned, transitioned into, uh, strictly playing second base. And I think at second is basically like shortstop, but just a shorter throw. And I think the biggest thing there is just the double play turns that you have to be very, very consistently really good at. We talked like after your first season in pro ball that it was like a, a key thing for you to improve defensively. And I think it's really easy to be like, well, second is this, short is this, third is this. It's very different to have like an actual action plan of how to take big step forward and be better. Um, and you're a guy who is, you know, type A in the best way possible, right? You set your mind to something and it's it's not like just like go out and wing it. It's actually like have an idea of how to execute on it. What do you think the key focus points that you made were that took you to from, you know, initially a below average defender in pro ball to being, you know, like above average at a new position? Like, do you think looking back, like there were see like certain work habits, you know, was it pre-pitch hop? Was it studying more film? What was it that really helped you to take that step forward? I think for me, um, obviously just got up to the big league. So hopefully I can even get better as a defender, which I think I will. Um, but for me, I think it was just developing a routine with, with our coach, um, with Oakland and then for myself personally, and we did that routine every day. So that helps with me with my hands, um, and positioning and that aspect. And then, you know, I think for BP, it's tough because you don't want to do too much. You got to be ready to go at 7 PM. But for me, it was just doing one round of strictly just following the ball into the hitting zone and getting my foot down, uh, my feet down on time consistently and i think i got better and better as time went on with that um and then you know just building a routine and being consistent with it and then um like like we talk about all the time is just staying athletic in the weight room and i think that really helps out you know once you once you get on the diamond and i think when you add that with confidence and it coincides with each other i think that's a that's a big deal how was the adjustment from minor leagues to the big leagues? Uh, I'm, I'm genuinely curious because this is obviously your longest season, played the most games you have in your career. And, you know, it's it's much longer than a college season. Um, but, you know, did you find yourself having to make adjustments by the end of the year? Or is it one of those things where just, you know, enthusiasm and excitement about actually being there is what kind of carries you forward in that first year? I think enthusiasm carries you for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. And then after that, they find what you're not as good at and they just mm -hmm. try to pick you apart and go there until you can prove you can do that. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, for me, um, the whole year as a whole, it was awesome. It was the most baseball games I've ever played. Um, and it ultimately started in spring training and then going to play for Team Israel in the WBC. So I got that experience of playing Venezuela, DR, Puerto Rico in a crazy hostile environment, yeah. um, basically on the road because they're th so enthusiastic down there and had a really good showing. And then I go and play minor leagues, play 69 games in AAA, um, do really well, you know, obviously ups and downs, but, you know, I felt like I got better as the year went on. And then after all-star break, I get the call and then play 
another 69 games in the big leagues. And I think enthusiasm of, wow, this is awesome. I'm excited to be here. Kind of just takes you for, for me, it was like two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it was more like, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of done with the honeymoon phase. I want to stay here. You know, like it's nice to debut, yeah. but my dream wasn't to be a, a mate, like it was to be a major league player for a long time and be really successful at it. So I think after it was, I think it was like 10, probably closer to two weeks in there was now I need to, you know, do what I need to do to be really good at it, at, at my job, my profession. Cause I think the window for success is so small in this game, in this industry that, um, there were adjustments that I had to make, you know, a few weeks in and really try to hone in on this being my profession and trying to be really good at it. Did the routine change from minor leagues to the big leagues? I mean, it's just a different, you know, travel arrangements and there's more like time zone changes and things like that. How did it, how did your in-season adjust and what does it look like now in the big leagues? The in-season adjustment really didn't change much from a heading standpoint. And then for a fielding uh, routine, it got a little bit better once I got in the big leagues and I, and I found out what I really like to do. Um, and then in terms of the adjustment from AAA to the big leagues, I think the big thing was when you're in the minor leagues, it's more prospects um, saying like, this is what my stuff plays with and I'm going to just throw what, what's best for me. And then when you get to the big leagues, they know what they're good at, but then they try to attack the hitter and their weaknesses. And then at the end of the day, it seems to just come down to execution from which I've learned. And obviously, you know, I'm new um, to the big leagues, but by the end of it, I feel like I had a good grasp of what the things that I struggled with and then things that I was really good at. And um, I think the the key for me was when I first came up was high, high fastballs, high end fastballs um, were beating me or that was the thought. And then I started hitting them out. And they were like, okay, this doesn't work anymore. Now let's go to this pitch. And then when they found success with that, it was like, all right, now they're going to keep doing that until I can prove I can either hit it or take it and then be what I'm good at. So um, there are always adjustments, but I think the biggest thing in the big leagues is just, you know, knowing what you're good at and being dominant and confident about it. And then just knowing if you're not good at something, you can just take that pitch or, um, you know, try to get better at it, obviously, but just knowing what you're, you're really good at and what makes you, you. Yeah. What about like the daily routine? Like, did you find that you had to streamline it? Did you find that you had more time to do it in the big leagues? Like what is it, what does a day at the ballpark maybe look like for you? For me, um, my daily routine, I thought got really, uh, much more detailed and I had more fun with it because, um, I think my whole dream of being a big leader was awesome. And then once I got there and realized like, Hey, I think I'm pretty good at this thing. I think I can do it for a while. I just kind of fell in love with it that much more. Um, so for me, I would show up to the ballpark around one, one thirty. get there, eat some lunch that they had for us, um, change. I would, um, I wasn't doing this a few first few days in, but after two weeks, I mm-hmm. like to go down to the computer room and do some scouting that I like to do. Um, and then I started my warm up. And mm-hmm. if I lifted that day, I would lift. If not, I would um, be warmed up and I would do my cage routine. And then um, at a certain point, we would go to do glove work as well. And then, um, you know, we had BP and and all that stuff. So I feel like I had um, more time or probably around the same amount of time, but I just was more detailed and uh, more thought out of what I wanted to do each day. And I was confident about it. Right on. Now I'm curious, did you actually, did you get into naps? And the reason I ask that is you're an early morning person. Like you're one of our early guys in the off season. 
And I know like that's one adjustment for guys, right? You typically play at like seven o'clock at night. Like how did you handle like the sleep in the big leagues? Because you don't realize how many time changes there are, how many, you know, getaway games there are where you might get in at, you know, four or five in the morning. How did you learn about sleep playing in the big leagues compared to AAA when it's like, you know, full week in one spot, every Monday off? Was it adjustment on that? Um, I've never slept better than I have ever than I, than I was in the big leagues. I mean, awesome. the just the mental and physical exhaustion every day when you're at the park with the you know thirty thousand fans plus. Um, I'm not a nap person, and I, hopefully I can get into it maybe. But for me, I just I don't operate on naps, and you know I'd go through the day, I'd get nine hours of sleep, and I'm talking like like I fall I fall in my bed, and I'm out for nine hours and I felt <laughs> exhausted if I got any more and I mm-hmm. felt a little tired if I was um, any, anything less than nine. So I was sleeping great and it's awesome because I think the mental exhaustion is what people don't really think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I think the food you're getting in the big leagues is so much better. So I think, um, you know, every, everything is, is better accommodating mm-hmm. in the big leagues. It seemed like um, my experience so far is that, you know, I was sleeping really well and, you know, hopefully can get back to it. That's soon. awesome. I'm jealous. Um, let's talk about off-season training adjustments. Like we've made some modifications. I think we did some stuff last year and I think we're attacking it maybe a little bit harder this off-season. And I, I think it's possible because you did a really good job at a young age of, of establishing a, you know, a training foundation in high school and then obviously at UVA. What changes do you feel like have been helpful now that you've been at this, you know, a longer time in the weight room? I think for me, the important thing obviously is getting that foundation. And I think I've been fortunate enough to, you know, have a really good foundation with the things that I've done. And then for me now is just getting into the athletic explosive movements while also doing, um, you know, some of the end range maintenance stuff for my, for my shoulder and, and arm care. But um, the thing that I've really loved is just like the rotational movements. And then you have the combination of going vertically. I love sprinting. And I think before I never really sprinted enough. And now I feel like I'm doing, um, you know, stuff with form running, doing sleds, and then also doing tempo runs, like whatever it is. I just feel so athletic and, and so young. Um, I mean, I am 24, obviously, but I just feel, <laughs> I just, I just feel like athletic all the time now. And um, I think just staying on top of my routine, you know, in the big leagues of just, you know, doing my soft tissue stretching activation stuff. I think that, also helps too for you know staying on the field and performing. Absolutely. Do you feel like um, strength comes back a little quicker every off season now? Um, just because you've had it in the past so much that it doesn't take four months to build that you can get it in one now. Yeah. Um, strength really, I feel like doesn't leave. I mean, I, I'm a guy that I only took like two to three weeks off from not really lifting any weights, but then, you know, after that, I feel like I got strength back within a week. Um, and I think that just goes back to the foundation of, you know, doing the same thing, you know, every day and, and getting in your lifts. And, you know, I'm a guy that I think for me a few years ago, or even, you know, two years ago, I was doing splits of upper body, lower body. And I think for me, um, somewhere where I've noticed that my body responds better to doing the total bodies, um, and, you know, doing it three days a week or two days a week in season. Um, and that's something that. I've noticed personally, I know people are different, different with that, but, um, you know, that's something that I think I've, I've found success in. 
Yeah. I think the nice thing is strength sticks around really easily. You know, power tends to detrain faster, but if you just, you do enough in season just to preserve it, um, it can go a long way, allowing you to really attack a bunch of other qualities when the off season rolls around, you have more, you know, basic recovery capacity to devote to all that stuff. Um, I may be redundant with some of our per- earlier conversations, but it might be good to hear it all in one place. You, you moved pretty quickly to the big leagues, right? You were, you were there and you know, really under three years. I'm curious, what was the biggest adjustment going from AAA to the big leagues? Was it the scouting reports and that they knew how to attack your weaknesses? Was it, was it something completely different? I think uh, for me, I kind of touched on it earlier, just the scouting reports. And I think they have a really good grasp of what you don't do well and what you do well. And then it, it ultimately just comes down to execution. But, you know, in AAA, there's obviously men up and down the minor leagues. But when you get to the major leagues, it's, it's grown men and it's their jobs and their livelihood providing for their families. And I think you feel that a little bit more. And I think the preparation is there even more in the big leagues because it's so important on winning. Um, and it's awesome because the competition is that much better. And I think people, you know, rise to the occasion. So um, that those were just some of the things that I noticed. And I think what makes people great is you have to adjust because, you know, you're not going to always be successful, but, you know, once you learn that, hey, this is what I, what I do well, or you know, this is what I'm really good at. Trying to stay away from trying to do the things you're not good at, and just honing in on your zone or whatever it may be. But um, you know, it's what makes it fun. Absolutely. Um, speaking of fun, your younger brother Jake was drafted this year by the Dodgers. Actually, the same overall pick that you were a couple of years ago by the A's. What was the first bit of advice that you gave to Jake? about making the adjustment from college to pro ball, actually UVA more specifically to pro ball. Um, well, I guess the first thing I said to him uh, two days after getting drafted was when, when I, once I got called up, I said, suck it, Jake, because <laughs> I won up, I won up them from getting drafted. And I said, Oh, by the way, I'm going to the big leagues now. Um, so that was a funny thing. But I think for me, it was just, um, he really didn't need to see, uh, hear much from me. I think he, mm-hmm. You know, he has a good grasp of what he's doing, but I think it's just now it's knowing what he needs to do to, to get ready to, you know, go compete at seven o'clock or whatever the, whatever the time the game's at. So um, for me, it's just, you know, again, we need to get in to, to be ready and, um, you know, go do your thing. Absolutely. All right. We always do a lightning round on the tail end of every podcast. Um, advice for teenage Zach Geloff. Advice for teenage Zach Geloff would just be keep going keep going, keep doing your thing and, you know, dominate. I like it. What players do you like to watch and why? I like to watch three players. Um, I like DJ LeMayhew, um, Marcus Simeon and Trey Turner. And I think the combination of those three are what I kind of try to emulate myself of, you know, being fast and being athletic like Trey Turner, Marcus Simeon being the same guy every day and showing up and, you know, playing 162 and then DJ LeMayhew of being really huge, you know, big infielder that, that just rakes. So good, good choices. Um, you're a big student of the game and I know you're, a, you're a high academic obviously UVA um, student. So what's a must read book that you think every athlete should consume? I'm not the biggest reader, but the one that one I do really like is obstacles the way by Ryan holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, like a stoic and just especially in baseball you're you know you're failing you know seven times out of ten if you're if you're at hall of famer so i think just knowing that you know your experience of going through struggles makes you makes you stronger is huge i like it and then last but not least what's next for you what do you need to do 
to be the sustainable, you know, successful long-term big leaguer that you referred to earlier in the podcast? Stay on the routine, stay disciplined to what I want to do and, you know, just stay healthy, focus on the, the routine in the weight room to, you know, just show up and be ready to play and, and stay on the field. Right on, man. You're an easy guy to bet on. We've seen the, the work, you know, in person for a really long period of time and certainly appreciate all of the, the hard work you put in. Um, folks can find you on both Twitter and Instagram. It's Zach Geloff, Z-A-C-K-G-E-L-O-F. Thanks for taking the time, dude. This was fun. Yeah, I'm excited. I feel like I feel like I made it. I was always listening to these growing up in, in high school and college. So now I finally <laughs> get a call. You're going to be able to you get bragging rights at the gym when some of these guys who haven't been on just yet uh, come on. So make sure to Told you at high as you walk in tomorrow. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks again. Yep. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in to the CSP Elite Baseball Development Podcast. We really appreciate you carving out some time in your schedule to listen, not just to this episode, but also to some of the episodes from our archives. If you enjoy what you heard, we'd love it if you'd share it with friends, colleagues, and teammates, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks again for your time.